Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins, the program where we anticipate an experience with the Lord on each and every episode. Thank you so much for listening today, and my prayer is that you will be strengthened, encouraged, and challenged in your daily walk with the Lord as you listen. The primary purpose for this program is to be a source of inspirational truth that will not only awaken a deeper hunger within you for more of God, but also a source of encouragement when it comes to maintaining a deep passion for the Lord. Leviticus 6.12 says, The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. This Old Testament verse spoke into the sacrificial burnt offering practices of the temple, and it reflects the fact that we as the bride of Christ are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have a responsibility to steward our walk with God and to maintain His flame that He has ignited in our hearts. I am your host, Keith Collins, and I invite you to join me now as we explore biblical truths that help us to maintain the flame of God upon the altar of our hearts. Hello and welcome to Maintain the Flame this week. I'm your host, Keith Collins, and it is a blessing to know that you're with me this week. I, I trust that what you're about to hear will encourage you, that it will challenge you, and that it will cause you to have a deeper hunger for the Lord in your life. Amen. Well, I just came off of an amazing weekend of ministry up in the state of West Virginia and um, preached at a church up there on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night this past weekend and just had such an amazing time. The, the tangible presence of God was was there and lives were touched and, and changed. And, you know, it's amazing to see how the Lord is moving throughout the nations right now. And we're just blessed to be a part of what God is doing. So I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, whatever your role in life is, whether that be a, a church planter or a pastor or maybe you're raising children or maybe you own a business, maybe you teach at a school, maybe you're a plumber or a painter, whatever your role is, let me encourage you that your life is a mission field. What I mean by that is there's nowhere that we go in life, whether that be a retail store or a job or a schoolhouse or or the mission field in Africa, wherever we go, everywhere we go is a mission field. So let me just encourage you with this fact. God has called you to do the works of Jesus in your generation. And um, you don't have to be someone that stands on a platform on a Sunday morning and preaches behind a podium or a pulpit. Every one of us are called to minister the gospel. Every one of us are called to reach the brokenhearted. Every one of us are called to lay hands on the sick. Every one of us are called to deliver people from demons. That's the call of God upon the church. And when we look at Ephesians, where Paul talks about the fivefold ministry or the five ministry gifts, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, he's very clear that these gifts, these ministries are to prepare and equip the church to do the work of the ministry. So again, let me encourage you to be active in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people hurting, broken, dying. But listen, I am encouraged. God is moving. We we continue to hear reports of 
revival fire burning in churches and schools around the communities of America and different parts of the world. So, friend, plug in. Allow the Lord to use your life for his glory in this hour. Amen. Hey, listen, again, I'm just blessed that you're with me. And today, I want to kind of return to a subject that I talked about on Maintain the Flame probably two-plus years ago now, quite a while back anyhow. I haven't checked exactly when I spoke on this subject last, but I know that it was a while ago. But the Lord really gripped my heart with this subject again this weekend as I was ministering up in the state of West Virginia. And I wanted to return to this subject today and just allow the Lord to to speak to all of us as I share on something here or share about something here. You know, when I think about revival, there, there are so many things that I can talk about. The last three weeks, I've been talking about revival characteristics, and there's a lot that we can say. There's there's a lot that takes place, especially during seasons of visitation, um, where the tangible presence of God shows up and and really does things that, that man can't do, even the realm of evangelism. I mean, there's something about true revival, true outpouring, visitation of the Lord to where the Lord just divinely draws people to himself. And and we hear these stories about people, you know, maybe working somewhere out in a field or, or, or wherever, or people even in their own homes or walking down the sidewalk and just suddenly gripped by conviction as the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Now, we know that we don't just sit around and wait for those things to happen because we're all called to do the work of an evangelist. At the same time, there are seasons of outpouring where the Lord has done, and I, I'm praying will continue to do these amazing things that only He can do. But there's something else that comes into view in the midst of visitation, in the midst of fire burning among the people of God. And that is the fact that eternity becomes very, very real. And I've shared this before, but I want to share it again because I think it goes with what I want to talk about today. Several years ago, I was in Lindell, Texas, visiting some dear friends. And one afternoon, we went over to the former residence or home of um, the late Leonard Ravenhill. Leonard and his wife Martha, this was their, their final home that they lived in together um, before Leonard passed away. This was in Lindell, Texas. And if you know anything about Lindell, there's a lot of ministries over the years that have been based out of their David Wilkerson's ministry, World Challenge. Um, different ministries ha- have been based there. Um, Agape Force years ago, and I think that property is Mercy Ship still. And then um, um, Keith Green's Ministries, Last Days Ministries was there at one point before Keith passed away. So anyway, it's kind of a unique little area there in East Texas. But we were out there for Thanksgiving one year, several years ago, and we went to Leonard Ravenhill's house one afternoon and I was in Leonard's office and just you know the place where he would study and pray um, you know just a, a real place of, of prayer and you could literally sense that in that in that room that that this man of God had probably prayed who knows how many hours in that little room but there was a, a small plaque that I saw in that office that really spoke to my heart and the plaque simply said keep me eternity conscious and man it really just burned in my spirit. I, I never forgot reading that little plaque. And I tell you, I, I was so moved by that plaque that eventually I even had um, 
a friend of mine who does woodworking and signs and stuff make me a plaque that right now, as I'm here in my my studio slash office, um, you know, this plaque is hanging on the wall where I can see it. Every time I come in here, it's kind of right there in my face. Lord, keep me eternity conscious. And and this has been really a theme of my heart that, that I never want to lose sight of eternity, that I never want my roots to get so deep in this present world that I lose sight of what's important and what's real. And, you know, Paul's very clear that, that our passions, our desires, our investment should be eternal and that we should not allow ourselves to get mixed up in this in the spirit of the world that we live in in the age that we live in the bible is clear that we are in the world but we are not of the world that we're a people we're really pilgrims you know we're, we're passing through this increment of time however long that might be for us individually it could be 100 years could be 50 years could be 75 you know we all live different seasons at different times but the fact is that if we're truly born again of the spirit of god this world this present world is not our final home and therefore our passion should not be you know, so deeply rooted in this present system that we lose sight of who we really are as the people of God. And I want to say that a lot of modern teaching, a lot of modern preaching, even a lot of modern music is very um, temporal. It's very carnal. It's, it's very secular. And sometimes it sounds more like motivational speaking or, you know, motivational pep talks than it does the gospel. And oftentimes we we raise human feelings and emotions above the, the glory and the supremacy of Jesus Christ, even in the things that we sing in much of our churches. So, so I want to say that whenever revival fire begins to burn, um, eternity becomes very, very, very real. And it becomes really a focal point. It it becomes primary, and we begin to live for things, again, that, that do not rust or fade or corrode. We, we as Paul said, we, we set our affections on things above, not on things of this earth. And as I've looked at the lives of even missionaries throughout the years, oftentimes we look at them as just noble, disciplined, you know, um, focused, um, obedient, faithful servants, and of course, many of them are. But, but I believe there's a higher arching level of energy, so to speak, if I can use that word. And I don't mean energy in a, in a um, new, new age type way, but, but holy fervor, um, holy fervor that, that, that burns and pulsates within these individuals. And it's really eternal life that they embrace and they see through the eyes of eternity. Therefore, to them giving their life for a people group or for another nation or for, you know, even a very dark area of the world where their life is at risk. I mean, they're willing to do it because eternity becomes more real than the creature comforts of America or of England or of, you know, some other nation where a lot of missionaries historically have have come from as they've went into places around the world to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let me let me read some scripture to you. Um, this is Acts chapter 20. And I'll pick this up in verse 17. This is talking about the Apostle Paul, um, where he is kind of really at the end of his life, in the end of his missionary journeys. He has set his face towards Jerusalem. Um, and he begins to share with the elders 
that have gathered from Ephesus and they're at Miletus with him. And Paul is speaking to them, kind of his last, you know, his last, um, you know, hurrah, so to speak. It's kind of his last impartation to them, the last thing he's going to say to them. But there's some things that really stand out to me in this narrative. So listen to Acts 20, verse 17. Uh, and we'll read through about 27. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus, speaking of the Apostle Paul, and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to what he says here. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions or tribulation await me. But listen to what he says. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What a powerful picture that we see here as Paul stands before these elders from Ephesus and he begins to share with them, listen, the Holy Spirit has warned me and shown me that persecution, that that tribulation, that affliction and imprisonment awaits me as I have set my face towards Jerusalem. And, you know, logically, um, you know, if any of us heard that, we would probably say, okay, is this really God? But but Paul is so owned by eternity that he says, listen, these things, really one translation says, these things do not even move me. I don't account my life of any value nor precious to myself. He said, listen, my, my, my passion is that I may finish the course, the ministry that the Lord gave to me to finish. And then he says, I'm not guilty of the blood of any man. So here is a man that is owned by eternity. Now, this is not a normal response to the fact that you're going into persecution. And of course, Paul's a man who had known persecution. He's a man who had known affliction. He was beat by the Jews five times with 39 lashes. He was beat to death one time almost and was left outside a city to die and the Lord raised him up. He knew what it was to be in prison, to be in a dungeon, to be under house arrest, to to be naked, to be hungry. To I mean, he's he he's a man that was shipwrecked. He he said everyone in Asia has turned their backs on me. And in Second Corinthians chapter four, he says this. He says we don't lose heart. He said though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Then he begins to talk about, you know, the things that are unseen are actually more real than the things that are seen or the things that are that are transient. So here is a man that even when he 
talks or refers to the incredible persecution and the incredible trials that that he, that he went through as a believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said these things were just light and they were momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. So he's not just your normal run-of-the-mill church person that shows up on a Sunday morning and maybe a Wednesday night um, a few times a month or a couple times a month. But no, here is a man who literally finds himself embraced with the fact that eternity is more real than the present age that we live in. And my friend, when the fire of God begins to burn in your heart, when the fire of God begins to burn in revival, you're going to find something out. Eternity comes into view. You know, when I was at the School of Ministry in Pensacola, at the Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, Pensacola, Florida, and then, of course, Fire School of Ministry, especially in those seasons during the the revival years from 95 to, to 2000 when the Lord was moving so mightily. And, um, and after the school was launched in the midst of the flames of revival, it was amazing to me. The people that would come into the school of ministry, uh, many people, you know, well above my age, I was around 30 years old at the time, but people in their 60s, people in their 50s, um, mid to late 40s, a lot of these people had successful careers or had been involved in, in different you know, businesses and, and owned businesses or whatever, but, but they were coming to this two-year school to entrench themselves and to being equipped and to being trained so that they could literally go out around the world and give the rest of their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, it, it's, it's illogical. In America, um, you know, of course, the American dream historically, and I know there's some things changing now culturally, but, you know, I'm a, almost 55 years old. And, you know, as a young person, as a man in my 20s and 30s, I mean, you, you always heard about the American dream, which was, you know, you, you get a good job or you become a business owner, you, you get a good education, and then you begin to, you know, own a home and have a little family and a little car or a couple of cars and, and then eventually maybe a vacation home or, or, or you know, maybe not that for everybody. But anyway, you, you begin to plan for your future and then you begin to invest in your retirement and, and then you get to a place where you retire and you just kind of spend the rest of your life vacationing and, and living well and then you die and that's it and you leave what you have to your kids or, or your grandkids and that's kind of the American dream. Well, can I tell you revival will completely change the American dream? In other words, you begin to live for things of eternal value. You understand what Paul meant in Colossians chapter 3 where he said, If you have been raised with Christ, then seek those things that are above or which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul said, set your mind or set your affection on things that are bu- that are above and not on the things of this of this earth for why you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Friend, when you have an eternal paradigm, your priorities change, your goals change, your ambitions and your passions change. Again, as I would teach students that were you know, well beyond my years as far as age. And many of them had been successful and had owned businesses or maybe um, had been a dentist or whatever. I mean, these type of people were coming to the school, but they were so gripped with the reality of eternity that they had to make sure that the rest of their lives counted for the glory 
of Jesus. Friend, I want to ask you a question today, and you might even be in the ministry. And sometimes in ministry, the focus becomes a bigger building, more people in, on a Sunday morning, um, you know, more media that you can produce and, you know, to get your name out there. And some of that stuff might even be affecting people positively. But you can be in the midst of ministry and not have an eternal paradigm. You can have a present day paradigm or a uh uh, a temporal paradigm that, that keeps everything on a surface level. But when eternity becomes real, you become an individual of, of tears, of prayer. Your, your heart is broken for a dying world. You, you begin to feel what Jesus feels and you begin to see what Jesus sees. And you see when the fire of revival begins to burn in the heart of a man or a woman or even a young person, it, sometimes it makes other people uncomfortable. Why? Because they're not interested in the things of this world. They're not addicted to entertainment. They, they're not addicted to the things that other people are addicted to. I've talked about Evan Roberts multiple times on this podcast. And Evan Roberts, at the age of 12 years old, came under a distinct burden for God, for revival, for the nation of Wales. And as a 12-year-old boy, he began to give himself to prayer, to intercession. Um, he would oftentimes be wailing and crying in tears, so much so that one of their landladies removed him from a property because they thought he'd become a lunatic or gone um, crazy or mad mentally. But, but here was a young boy that became a young man that began to go after God, that eternity, heaven became near to him. And I am I'm convinced that many people in the church have no idea what I'm even talking about. I mean, they, they might understand it intellectually, but they've known few or maybe none that live with eternity in view, and therefore their entire paradigm, their entire perception of Christianity is what they learn to do by way of, of default or learn Christian behavior patterns, but there's no passion, there's there's no zeal, there's there's no prayer, there's no burden for the lost, there's there's no desire to to reach other people with the gospel, and the gospel becomes something that is all about how we feel and what we have and how the Lord blesses us. And friend, that is not the gospel. Listen, a primary distinctive of the early church and even the original apostles who were all martyred for the faith except for John, and they boiled him in oil according to history. And um, and he lived and, of course, was exiled from um, off the coast of Ephesus on the island of Patmos, um, you know, several miles off of Ephesus where Patmos was. And that's where we have, that's why we have the Revel, the book of Revelation or the revelation of Jesus Christ in our canonized scripture. But, but anyhow, all these men literally gave their lives for the gospel. They, they were apprehended by things of eternal value. They, they did not live unto themselves. They lived for the Lord. And again, Paul said, if we have died with Christ, right? If you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, then friend, everything should change in your life. It doesn't mean you don't have joy. It doesn't mean that you don't enjoy some things. It doesn't mean that that you can't walk in the blessings of God. I do all of that. But at the same time, I know that I'm owned by eternity. I'm, I'm never um, away from this reality. I'm never um, away from the truth that, that eternity is more real 
then even this podcast that I do week in and week out or this radio show that I do week in and week out. In other words, eternity becomes more real than anything else in my life. And I want to declare to you that's normal Christianity. That That's what it means to be called of God, born of God, uh, on fire for God. And again, when revival begins to, to burn in our hearts or when we see a corporate revival, again, the, the natural response is to prepare warriors and labors in the midst of that fire. And as a result, people are willing to lay things down that maybe they've even given their lives to for a season, but eternity becomes real and they realize they've got to go. They've, they've, they've got to take the gospel to the lost, to the hurting, to the deceived, to the broken. Listen, th- their lives become so consumed and they, they, they learn to maintain a passion for the Lord in a way that, that goes beyond mere devotion and Christian discipline. Jesus becomes everything to them. He's their first love and this reality fuels their existence on every single level. Listen, through their existence, and their experience of revival in their heart, um, they they begin to realize that they are those that have been purchased by the Lord. And as a result, the only thing they can do is say, Lord Jesus, my life for the gospel. Lord, send me. Here I am. Send me, as I, Isaiah said in that um in that, in that passage in the book of Isaiah, Lord, when he saw and beheld the glory of the Lord, the holiness of the Lord, the Lord um, lifted up, high and lifted up. He said, woe is me. He recognized he was a man of unclean lips, but as he was purified by the, by the colds from the altar, um, he said, Lord, send me. You see, there's something about an eternal paradigm where we become a people that are willing to be sent. We understand James 4.14, where the apostle James says, for what is your life? It is even a vapor. One translation says a mist that appears for a little time and then it just vanishes away. So they embrace, we embrace this increment of time and we say, Lord Jesus, whatever that looks like, wherever you want to send me, however I'm supposed to go, Lord, you lead the way. We want to become like Paul. I want to finish the course. I want to fulfill the ministry that you've called me to do. Lord, I I don't want the blood of anyone on my hands because I live for myself, because I was more interested in my blessing and, and my comfort and my personal wealth and all the things that we get so sucked into in modern culture. No, we begin to live for things that are of eternal value. And listen, oftentimes in the, in modern church culture, we, we just, again, we acclimate to earthly carnal surroundings, which in turn become more real to us than things of eternity. We, we fall into that trap and cycle of only living for the temporal, and we lose sight of what's really valuable. The late Leonard Ravenhill asked this question once. He said, are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? Friend, that's, that's the question today. Are the things you're living for today really worth Christ dying for? Listen, we've heard this many times, or I have. I've never seen anyone um, in a hearse, a, a dead body in a hearse with a U-Haul trailer behind them on the way to the cemetery. Once this life is over, it's over. You know, um, once it's done, it's done. There was a, um, 
a missionary named Nate Saint. He, along with Jim Elliott and others, were martyred years ago in the 1950s. But listen to what he said, and I'll read this in closing. He said, And the people who don't know the Lord ask, Why is it that we are willing to waste our lives as missionaries? They forget that they too are expending their lives. And when the bubble bursts, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they have wasted. Friend, if you're living for eternity, there is no wasting a life. Thank you for listening today. Listen, you can visit our ministry at keith-collins.org. You can also find us at impactgf.org. I pray today that eternity becomes real to you, that the fire of God burns hotter and brighter in your life, and that, my friend, you realize you've got one life to live. That's it. We can't rewind life. You got one season, whether that's 30, 40, 50, or 100 years. Live well. Live worthy of the call of God, as the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians. And hey, I look forward to being back with you on Maintain the Flame next week. God bless. We love you. Keep burning for Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Maintain the Flame with Keith Collins today. I trust that you've been blessed and encouraged as you've listened. And if you hunger for a greater passion for the Lord that will not dim or subside, then let me encourage you to listen weekly to episodes that will encourage you in your walk with God. To learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at keith-collins.org or impactgf.org. May the fire of God burn brighter and hotter in your life. God bless you.